Why? Because Why you are, are fucking evil. Are the, <laughs> are the worst. Wait, I'm not. I'm not giving people that clip. <laughs> oh, are we recording? Always, always. Oh. None well, of this is going to be used, though, right? Welcome to blackmail. Oh God. Blackmail the show. <laughs> hey, welcome to this week's A Conversation With Podcast. We got a new one every Wednesday other than last week's hiatus. And today's guest is Mia Khalifa, who's actually a person that we've covered a number of times on the show. And if you're unfamiliar, Mia Khalifa is a massively popular internet personality, model. She has hosted a number of sports shows. I also started reaching out to her a little while back because I was interested in covering kind of how people have used her, her past in the adult entertainment industry against what she's trying to do now. And also just to kind of get to know someone that, I, that I've seen from a distance that, you know, we've had limited interactions, but what is this person like one-on-one. -on -one. And so with that said, thanks for following, subscribing, all the good stuff, and enjoy. Hey, welcome to A Conversation With. My name is Philip DeFranco, and today we're having a conversation with Mia Khalifa. Hello. Hi. This is like, this is a long time. How long ago were we talking about doing this? I mean, we have been like internet friends for for a few, like we interact on the internet for a few years. And sure. I have said, oh, next time I'm in LA, we should do a video together or a podcast together. But we have been trying to schedule this for like, <laughs> I think since like July. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe I, before then. I think we're just both bad Twitter and Oh, we're uh, both terrible at replying. Yeah. My manager yelled at me every time I, he, he's, he'd be like, has he responded? And I, I don't know. I haven't checked. Well, then go check. And I'd go to check and I'll, yeah, he responded four weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> Do I even respond at that point or exactly. should I just, yeah, it's this very strange thing. But, um, I, one, you've kind of popped up because you've been doing podcasts, talking more. Uh, and I kind of guess before we jump into that, mm -hmm. uh, I'll probably have introduced you already, but in your own words, who are you? What do you do for people that are unfamiliar? Okay. My name is Mia Khalifa. That, that's my camera. Any camera. Okay. We're going to use all of them. Three right now. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, my name is Mia Khalifa. I am a huge sports fan. I love to eat. And somehow I have found a way to turn that into a career. <laughs> how, how long have you been into sports? I've been into sports since I was like 12, since I first moved to America mm -hmm. and started picking up English, uh, you know, more proficiently uh, since I was like 12 years old. Okay. And unfortunately, we settled in D.C., so I'm a D.C. sports fan. <laughs> I like I like just the pain that, that that's in your voice. But but you stuck with it. Like I'm, I'm, my teams have lost so consistently, uh, in the sports that I care about that I'm like, I'm like ready to be a Rams fan. <laughs> I'm oh like, my God. who's your hockey team? Well, it used to be the Rangers back in the Messier days, uh. but, but I, but that's the thing is I, I used to be all in New York sports, right? I really cared about it back in for basketball, Ewing Starks I was like, yes, this is my shit. And then I just stopped caring for 15 years. It was also very easy uh, in New York to be like, I'm a sports fan with the, uh, the Yankees, right? It was like. I think I started watching. Yeah, you're spoiled. As a yeah, I started watching baseball when uh, Jeter was a rookie. Oh <laughs> so God. I was like, oh, I get to experience oh, dude, you're the old. glory years. Oh, yeah, I'm 33. Oh. You're the only person that's surprised by that. Usually yeah. I come in and people are like. I thought you were like my age. No. Oh, Jesus. You got to just fucking do that to me. <laughs> it's just. Ugh, I'm just going to. I'm going to die in three years. Yeah, dude. Oh, no. You know Life what? Life expectancy is like. Mm, yeah, not for me. No. I haven't been taking care of myself. Mm. It's uh, a. <laughs> It's bad. I'm, it's going to be one of those things where I actually die in the next three years and they're going to be like, Philip DeFranco knew. I need to just do <laughs> Mia that all Kaliba the time. killed Philip DeFranco. <gasps> you wanted to keep me on schedule. I appreciate that. Um, for everything that we're, so we're, we're going to cover a lot. Yes. Right. Um, I have you here for seven hours. I appreciate you I doing did a that. seven hour podcast yesterday. So. What? Just kidding news. Really? Oh yeah. They filmed for a while. Oh my did God. you do it with uh, Steve Green? And, yeah. It was yeah. with Steve and Tiffany and uh, Gio and yeah. her husband. 
Steve's, I think, probably my favorite funny person he's in the world. He's hilarious. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't get like he's enough also, credit for it. He's also unassuming off camera. Mm-hmm. Like he's, his, on, his on-camera personality is just like, where did that come from? I enjoy him because he's agreeable to the point of you find yourself in this weird place that you never thought, and then, he'll, and then he grills you. Yes. Yeah. Oh, God, he was great. I that was really him. fun. But subscribe to this channel instead. This. This yeah. is the only one. Yeah. Fuck JK News. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> Mia Khalifa says, fuck JK News. Oh, I tried to stop her. I tried to stop her. I'm not going to play the clip before this. Uh, so we're going to cover a lot, right? Because you've, li- you've lived a very interesting life. Um, starting with your childhood. It, sound, it always sounds like I'm doing a, uh, a therapy session. But what time, when did you come to the United States? In 2001. <laughs> 2001, and I think I, I saw that you came two weeks before 9-11. No, I came January uh, oh, okay. like 5th or something, so 2001. So you, you had a few months before yeah, things but it got was, ugly. It was, I didn't go to school for, until the uh, fall started because I couldn't, okay. you know. But So it was like two weeks into my first time ever being around kids my age in America sure. and being in an American school and where, in where, D.C. And where were you originally from? Lebanon, Beirut. Lebanon. And you moved when you were how old? Uh... Eight or nine? Eight or nine? Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. So do you have uh, any kind of... So when you think of home, do you think specifically Washington or no? Yes. Yeah? Yeah. I I mean, it's, it's a weird box that I'm in because <laughs> Lebanese don't think I'm Lebanese. They think I'm American. And okay. Americans don't think I'm American because I don't look American and I speak Arabic. And I'm just in this like limbo of I don't know where I'm from. And also, right. I don't... I never know what to answer when people ask me. Oh, where'd you move here from? Mm. Do I say Austin, Texas? Do sure. I say Washington, D.C.? Do I say Lebanon? <laughs> That's just going to get more complicated as yeah. you get older. Because I don't know. I'm like, I, I was born in New York, but then I moved to North Carolina and then Florida and then back to North Why Carolina. North Carolina? Uh, my mom wanted to move there. Oh. Be close to my grandparents okay. while they were they were still around. Where in North Carolina? Asheville, North Carolina. Okay. So it was kind of like. beautiful there. Yeah. It's like, it's very weird. It's like. There's either like nothing and then kind of a bunch of hippies. Yeah. And then a college town. Well, these days it's like the destination spot for weddings. Really? Yeah. Oh, wait, like the Biltmore house and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, places what? like that. Like I've just, a lot of my friends I've just seen get married in North Carolina, even though they have no ties to North Carolina. Huh. That's really interesting. Yeah. They have a huge craft beer, uh, <laughs> uh, not underground, like. But society like, there but that's apparently. the thing is i'm completely ignorant to what it is now because i'm like i'm never going back one because the airport at Asheville in Asheville, north carolina it's like very small so i have to get on a very small plane and i've gotten past my fear of flying except small planes really yeah oh like, i love small planes no well when you, you say board faster you get off faster i love tiny airports no no it's just if i can if i feel <laughs> I need the airplane to be very large to the point that I'm like, this will be on the news because like a little six seater. No one's going to like no one's going to talk about that at all. Hey, people still talk about Kennedy dying in a little six seater. Who are you talking to? (laughs) You're the first person to mention Kennedy to me for like nine years other than like an inappropriate every day. Really? Yeah. Why? I'm obsessed with the Kennedys. Well, oh, you're also you're like really into history. Right? Yeah, yeah, but especially the Kennedy family. Like that whole Kennedy curse is extremely interesting to me. Okay, so it's kind of the the idea of it be, there being something darker. Oh, or I just, love it. Yeah, yeah. Is is that your like favorite thing in history? Is... No, not so, well. I I'm not gonna get World War Two. <laughs> huge fan, Mia Khalifa. Huge <laughs> fan of World War Two. Thank you for just giving me the title I need. This is all I need. No. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. No, so, okay, so you, you move here, 
I know that you, you said that it was, it was really uncomfortable. It kind of speaks to what you were saying of like, people didn't say that you were American. Uh, and I was learning English at the time. So I had a thick Lebanese accent. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I was like, not just, you know, visibly foreign <laughs> when I spoke, it was just like, Jesus Christ, someone mm -hmm. check her credentials. How did she get here? Right. But then after or in high school, you end up going to a military boarding school. Mm -hmm. How? It's not as dramatic as it sounds. Okay. It was like two hours away from home. So it was just private school but you, that you slept at and went home on the weekends. OK, so you still went home. Yeah. Well, it, it got to the point where after I started making friends there, mm -hmm. I I didn't go home because I wanted to hang out with my friends who were at the school from like from California or Washington and different states who didn't get the chance to go home or I would bring them home with me. Um, sure. But it got, yeah, I, I loved it there so much that I wanted to spend weekends there. Right. And because that was one of the things that stuck out while I was kind of looking up past interviews is you said you felt like a greater sense of belonging there than yeah. at home. Yeah. Why do you think that it was? Because everybody was leveled. Everyone was the same. Aside from being given rank and different responsibilities, uh, everybody kind of worked together for the for the same goal, pretty much like we all. We all wanted to, you know, not if one person got in trouble, everybody on the on the floor mm. that we lived at in the dorm got in trouble. So if one person's room wasn't tidy or if one person didn't get their tasks done, everybody would work together to help them so that we could all succeed. Would you feel like that was the first time you felt like a, a group atmosphere or a sense of belonging? Absolutely. I never had. I mean, I went I went to public school for one for like, I would say three fourths of a school year. OK. Um, And I. I, I didn't have a group like I had people I talked to in class. I had mm -hmm. one girlfriend who was two grades above me, who I'm still very close friends with. Lindsay oh. Ray, I love you. Um, <laughs> she's still one of my best friends. And she was one of the only people who looked at me and didn't just see an outsider. She mm. valued me for my personality and my sense of humor and all of these attributes that I had never. No one ever gave me the chance to show them. Was there a reason that you ended up going to boarding school? Because I, I mean, I, public I've, I've school. Heard, I've heard friends do it. And I'm just like, why? What happened? Uh, it was it was more so for uh, not for, you know, I wasn't being reprimanded and I wasn't in trouble or anything. It was just one of the best schools in the mm. D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. Okay. It was a sister school to West Point. And uh, at the time, I had aspirations of going to the Citadel and continue continuing on with the military. Really? Was there was anything that drew you to that? I, the sense of belonging, like I, I saw all of those commercials and I had family members who uh, went to West Point and then made the military like a lifelong mm -hmm. career. So I kind of just I, I liked the idea of having a predisposed group of people who I could belong with. Was there any reason you didn't end up pursuing that? Oh, yeah. I did not like waking up at 430 in the morning. Like that wasn't a fun part of the school. I didn't like having to make my bed every day, even though. I'm great at making a bed now. Like th there was a lot of aspects where I was like, I don't know if I can do this forever. Right. Yeah. It's, it's interesting when you're like, mm, I know that I've had this in my head probably for years, Yeah. <laughs> but this one thing, cause for me, uh, I, w I was like, I'm going to be a doctor. It's going to be great. And I was in pre-med and I took organic chemistry and I was like, I'm a fucking <gasps> idiot. This is bad. This is not a good time. There's, this is just not going to work start out. A podcast. That's what, it, and then I immediately went podcast. No, I mean, I ended up starting because I got really angry at, Rush Limbaugh. Uh, he like he, he said something a long time ago. I, I feel like I've mentioned this a few times uh, for people listening. Uh, Rush Limbaugh said that Michael J. Fox was faking his condition. And I was like, that's fucking that's ridiculous. Hilarious. I was like, that's fucking ridiculous. And I ranted. And then ever since. Was that, that your first viral anything? 
Yeah, but then viral back then was like thirty thousand views. I was That's like, fair. this is this is the big time. <laughs> this is crazy. Now now I think if I got thirty thousand views, I'd be like, well, it's over. It's done. Nobody cares. Anymore. How are we gonna pay the bills? No, I don't know. That's when you get your child into child acting. <laughs> I'm like, he really wants. He really wants to do it. You gotta earn your weight around here, kid. So for you, I, I, one of the things that kind of stuck out to me, and I was like, there might be a little bit of a kinship, but not so much, given what I am now. Uh, when you were in high school, uh, from what I understand, you were kind of a, a bigger person. Oh, yeah. I, I weighed 50 pounds more than this. Than that. And, and when did you start losing your weight? How did you start losing your weight? I would say my senior year of high school going into college and I started losing the weight, um, honestly, just from an unhealthy lifestyle. Mm. I wasn't eating properly. I became it, it got to me a lot, like the bullying and the fact that I didn't feel attractive. And I went into like, I put myself into every class I could, like kickboxing and oh. every workout class you can think of. And, but at the same time, I wasn't eating properly at all. Like I was eating very, very little. Um, and I dropped all the weight. And ever since then, maintaining has just been about, you know, trying to be as healthy as possible, even though I had three McDonald's cheeseburgers for dinner last night. Um, but I mean, now I'm okay with like, I, I know my body and I know that in the span of 365 days in a year, mm -hmm. I fluctuate 30 pounds on and off. Right. And I'm okay with that. Like I put on my winter coat every winter and that's fine. I love to eat like heavy, warm, like butter, creamy food when the months are colder. And I've stopped beating myself up about that. Like my weight gain is it like, it's never going to get to the point where I'm unhealthy where I have to worry about my blood pressure and diabetes and things like that. But uh, I'm also not going to, you know, be mad at myself for wearing jeans two sizes bigger than I did in the summer. Sure. So, okay. So that, so did you say that change happened at your senior year? Yeah. Close to, close to the end of my senior year. And so how do, how do people start treating you different or how are you feeling at that point? You know, I still, I, I, I didn't grow into my confidence mm. until I would say like, maybe like three years ago. Um, really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. It took a long time and a lot of therapy to kind of just accept myself and love myself. Um, but I still was wearing like baggy clothes. I wasn't really putting myself out there. It wasn't, it, I, I wasn't getting the male attention, not that I ever had, but I, I still wasn't getting male attention. Mm -hmm. I didn't start to receive that until I got my breast augmentation when I sure. moved to Miami. How old were you then? 21. 21. 20 when I... No. Yeah. 21. So you get your breast augmentation. All of a sudden you get this, this new attention. Yeah. What does that feel like? Uh, especially after feeling like you didn't get that before. Overwhelming, mm. overwhelming. And like I had to, I, I didn't want to lose it because I didn't know if I would ever get it again. And when I did receive any, t any kind of male attention, I felt like I needed to harness it and, you know, be agreeable and do what whatever the guy was asking for or you know whatever the guy wanted because sure. i didn't want to lose that attention do you or the validation i should say right did did you ever have feelings of resentment i, I towards asked, who towards the men now giving you attention I, I ask because when when i was saying that i feel i felt like oh i kind of got this story to a certain degree so when i was in high school i was very very large and uh after uh, tons of uh just life happening and and my mom kind of just hitting me uh emotionally not physically well that was earlier but uh i lost a ton of weight right and Good so i you. went from congratulations well then then i put it all back on oh. through stress over the past 10 years no but i was uh you know i was like 
I want to say 250, 260, I drop to like 180 and all of a sudden I start getting attention. And for me, while obviously there was an appreciation and all of a sudden this new self-confidence, I resented kind of all people. I was going to say- Because they were shallow? Because I knew that I was the same person. Yeah. Right. I was like, I'm, but also at the same time, you know, I, I sometimes look back and I'm like, you know what? Maybe I wasn't the same person because I, at this point, was this person that had put in effort. Yeah. Right. So it was kind of a showcasing of who I was. So I still have mixed feelings on it just because I feel like, especially now, even more so than then, uh, we're really superficial. Um, so yeah, I, but you didn't have that. No, I have resentment more towards myself for not having mm. the, you know, the wherewithal to like, lo to love myself and appreciate myself and know that I'm worthy no matter how much I weigh or what I look like. And that whatever attention those men were giving me wasn't going to validate me in any way. Like sure. It was any happiness and self-love has to come from within. No one can give that to you. And I think that, yes, at our core, we have the same personality and characteristics and, you know, values and all of that. But there is a different level of confidence that you don't notice, but other people do when you feel better about yourself. Whether, it doesn't matter what weight you're at. When you feel good, like other people can pick up on that. So it might not. Oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's not so much that they're shallow or superficial. It's more that you're putting off something without even meaning to. And right. that draws people in. Yeah. That, yeah. 100%. So, but that feeling of understanding yourself more, is that kind of in the realm of the, the past three years of, you know, you going to therapy and talking it out? Not so much when you were 21? No, even, I mean, even in like 2016, when I moved to Austin and I, and I had been out of the industry for almost two years at the time, mm -hmm. at the time, I was definitely not in a great mental space then. I, it, I, I didn't know how to love myself. I still relied on men to give me the happiness that I was supposed to be giving right. myself and the nurturing that I was supposed to be giving myself. Like I relied on men to give me that, um, or not men, one specific man. I was in a very unhealthy codependent relationship, codependency mm. on my end, not his, which is, I think what led to the destru destruction of the relationship. I mean, it was doomed from the beginning. He was a terrible person, but still. I like that. It was like, it was all me, but also fuck there. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> you know who you are. Wait, so talking about the industry, because mm -hmm. I'm always, I'm always fascinated with kind of how, how someone goes from kind of their life to, it's this very, 99% of people are only going to ever see it from the outside. Yeah. Right. And so I feel, and it's probably to a certain degree, a unique story for each individual person. For my understanding, for you, it was just, you were walking down the road one day mm -hmm. and someone was like, you got it. As yeah. They handed as, but, me a business card. Very really? professional looking. He was, yeah. you know, dressed like you in a button down slacks. Uh, he got out of his car. He handed me a business card. Mm -hmm. uh, he was a marketing executive. Um, so he wasn't just like some sleazy producer. Um, I went in and I toured the studio, very professional. Like there was cubicles every, I would say about like 40 cubicles of people just sitting there working with headphones on with pictures of their families and, you know, decorations all over their walls and stuff. Uh, so it was, it's not, it's not what most people think of. Like they see on the Netflix documentaries where it's sure. like a shady motel room or like some sleazy basement. It mm -hmm. was a much more professional show. Right. Because, well, so, because was it a, it was a much larger organization than kind of, I think when you talk about the Netflix show, it's uh, Hot Girls Wanted. Yes. Yeah. Which I think they've made now several things. Yeah. But yeah. Well, and that's kind of like a, a smaller organization, kind of one girl. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, they all live in one house and 
you know, yeah. they have one guy who's just driving them from, you know, gig to yeah. gig. And it's, oh God, I think it gives, I think that's one side of the industry. And then another side is extremely professional where, you right. know, they pay taxes and there's. And that was your experience. Yes. Right. So you go in very professional. Um, what kind of goes through your head, head after you see, you, you do kind of the tour and you start thinking of, or what were you thinking of? Like, how, how would this uh, affect my life? I didn't think about how it would affect my life. I was naive and I thought thousands of girls every month, you know, film themselves or sure. go into the industry and no one knows their name. No one ever hears about them. So I can kind of do this to boost my confidence and no one will ever find out about it. Who's, who's going to be searching for me? Uh, so that's really interesting because I feel like that's that's somewhat similar to is it the real girls do is real girls do porn lawsuit that's happening? They were they were there's allegations that. They were told that this is only going to be essentially like uh, physical copies in Australia. And they had the same kind of mindset of like, well, who's going to see that? Yeah. Right. I live in, you know, I have no one that follows me. No one's gonna be like, that's that's her right there. And then it gets uploaded and everyone sees it. Yeah. But for your experience, kind of from not from not having been on a set before, what is what is that like? Um, a lot more intimate than you would expect. Like, it's mm -hmm. not like the movies portray it. There's sure. one cameraman. That's it. And then you and then two people, okay. you and whoever you're shooting with. So you kind of it's kind of like this where there's lights on mm -hmm. you. So you can't really see the rest of the set because it's so bright. So you kind of sure. forget that there's other people there. Um, also, adrenaline completely takes over mm. as soon as the lights go on. It's just like. A blur. I, I, I mean, I could see that. I mean, I've, I've only ever experienced something like that if I've gone on stage yeah right it's just this thing that i've never experienced yeah, before it goes by like that and you get off and you're like you could ask me to you know recount what just happened and i you, a oh gun so to it's, my it's, head, it's almost like it. not not blackout but it's almost like yeah that. Just, it's just a blur it feels like it happened in the span of 45 seconds even mm -hmm. though it was 30 minutes so you kind of don't think about the the, the larger thing because what happens with you has really never happened before, right? People yeah. say like, what do you think would happen? Well, not this. It was the first time something like this happens. Um, you end up doing the, like the now international news hijab scene. Yes. What the hell happens after, after that? Cause I know that you've talked about like, you jokingly before the scene, you're like, you guys are going to get me killed. Yeah. Right. But you don't re like, you didn't probably really think that you thought maybe I'll get some messages, right? Yeah. I, th I mean, I, I just thought there would be backlash. I didn't think that all of the backlash would be directed at me. People were acting like I was the one who came up with the concept and, sure. you know, told everyone, all right, places, this is <laughs> get your dick out. Like, n no, yeah. I'm not in control of that. I'm sure. the actress isn't in control of what the context of the scene is. Mm -hmm. you, I mean, you just you, you do have a say if you're not comfortable with something but no one will ever listen to you if you say no no i don't think well, we should scrap this let's do how about schoolgirl? no one's ever done that before right so i what's the when's the first time that you knew that it was becoming a much bigger situation right after that scene came out oh so it was instant. yeah because until then, no one really, no one knew. Was, but I mean, was it like a, a friend called you? Like I saw you on the news. So uh, I was, I was actually doing social media. I was their social media manager for the company oh. that I worked for. Uh, oh, okay. So I was like on the books on payroll, not just as uh, a porn actress. Um, 
So I was in the office one day and all of a sudden two people come into the room and they're like, this is crazy. You have all these interview requests. I'm like, what is going on? And I checked my Twitter and it was blowing up and no pun intended. And everyone was just going crazy about it. Like there was hate, there was curiosity, there was everyone had an opinion about it. And amidst all that, um, I started getting death threats from people online who were posing as ISIS or ISIS sympathizers mm -hmm. or I, I don't even know, but it, it was, it was really scary. And after that, I kind of like started to shy away a little bit. Sure. Um, yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. But at, I mean, at that point, my life was kind of ruined. It was turned upside down. Ruined in what way? I, I knew that there was no going back from this. So okay. for like a month and a half, I continued, I continued to be in the industry. Uh, I think I shot three or four or more films after that. Sure. Uh, but then I realized like I, I was never doing this because I enjoy this. I was never doing this because uh, I need or want the money because the money is shit. It's fucking terrible. So Can what I was it that? Yeah, okay. of course. <laughs> Not on my channel. No. Uh, so what what did push you into it? It was, the it was the fact that I was getting attention and mm. the validation I was getting and, you know, people on set telling me, oh my God, you're so beautiful. And the attention from these good looking men who I never in a million years thought would give me the time of day. So it was, I was caught up in the whirlwind of that, completely forgetting about what I was doing for myself and my future. So do you feel like for you that there, it was more of these outside forces and it wasn't empowering in any way? Or do you feel like maybe in the moment you felt empowered? But I it was think it was a false else? sense of empowerment okay. because now that I know what true empowerment from within feels like, it doesn't come from things like that. It comes from succeeding and reaching a goal that I set for myself and, you know, making my fiance smile or like things like that are what empower me now. And that's that's long lasting empowerment. That's the sure. empowerment that gives you true confidence not not what I was doing before. Right. What I was doing before was, I think, a cry for help. Like I should have done. I should. Oh. I should have done therapy, not porn. <laughs> okay, actually, so that's a uh, that's an interesting question, uh, and you might have already answered this. Do you regret it? Absolutely. Even given where you are now. Yes, I I would completely trade having a normal life and not ha giving people the right to see me online naked whenever they want to not be famous. I didn't want to be famous. I actually deleted well it, i didn't delete it. it it got hacked by isis sympathizers and there was propaganda being pushed all over oh, my instagram right, yeah, yeah. so they shut my instagram down when i had like two and a half million followers and i didn't reopen instagram for about a year until i tried to get normal jobs i worked right. as a bookkeeper and i worked as a paralegal and both of those offices i didn't feel safe in because the men knew who i was um so there was a turning point in 2016 when I realized what I really needed was a fresh start. So I moved to Austin from Miami and I created an Instagram account from scratch. Um, and I tried very hard to build that up and to somehow monetize this infamy that I had to live with now. Okay. So at this point you're like, you know what, it's been a year. I'm going to try and lean into it to some yeah. degree. And so how do you lean into it at that point? Well, to be honest with you, I didn't know what to do uh, for money. 
sure. moving to Austin by myself. So I started camming and I did that for uh, 11 months uh, until I was able to get on my feet and get an actual following and something that I could turn into good, you know? Sure. Um, I got offered a sports show with one of my childhood heroes. Oh, is this one on com Complex? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But don't plug them. Just kidding. <laughs> fuck those guys. <laughs> they let go of Jesus and Marrow. Oh my God. <laughs> I think. I don't know what the fucking deal was. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So as soon, as soon as I got that offer, I thought to myself, okay, I do not need to be doing this anymore. I don't need to be exploiting myself because this can actually be something. I have the opportunity here to do good and do something that I am truly passionate about. And ever since then, I have not gone back to anything of that sort. Regarding, so when, so the difference between, I guess, being in the, the, the adult film industry and camming, when, when you're doing that, was there a greater sense of I'm in control or no? No, okay. no. And let me tell you why. Sure. Because um, the company that I worked for, because I was still doing social media for them, they were just doing anything they could to keep me in the industry, oh, I bet. just th throwing oh, I bet. numbers at me to try and just keep me in somehow. Mm -hmm. So they offered me a deal where they paid me a salary every month to log a certain amount of hours on the campsite mm. because it was their campsite. So what I would do is literally just mute it, turn it on and watch Netflix. <laughs> I was the worst cam girl in fucking history. <laughs> okay. I was you really bad. You were like, so all But streams, I got the paycheck. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, res I respect that. I re but of course, yeah. They, it, they started to catch on too. Near the end when I stopped caring, like it was around like the eight month mark when I knew that I was getting close to never having to do this again. They were like, we're going to take this away. You need to be doing this and this okay, and so that. Because that's, that's what I was going to ask. I was like, for a company. Yeah. Right. Especially like. No one had really ever blown up to that degree. Oh, no. Right? It's like, it's like, especially they for, called me lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially for when you were talking about, uh, I know that like a bunch of the head headlines were like Mia Khalifa says she only got $12,000, right? Which essentially equates to like before a taxes, <laughs> before taxes, put that in the headline. Um, but at that point you're like the, the best paying off like lottery ticket. Yeah. Right. So did it ever get, I don't want to say maybe scary or shady as far as people trying to keep you in or was oh, yeah, it absolutely no it was, was completely like? shady it it looks like uh them telling me that you know there's no real job out mm. there for me you know this is who i am now um telling me that uh i will never make the same amount of money as i as they were offering me which was fucking nothing for right. what they wanted uh and I, I i knew that i knew that after i quit like i knew I would never, ever go back to porn. I think that, uh, you know, the camming was my stepping stone into just having or earning money in a way that I can, I can take pride in th that I don't feel ashamed in. Um, but yeah, they will do anything to keep you in. When, so it's, it's maybe kind of a stupid question cause it's still like a hypothetical scenario. Do you feel like you still would say like, I would, if I could go back and not do it, that that would be the case because it feels like th like this journey, right? If you want to call it that, like it's a nicer word for probably all the stuff that you had to deal with, mm -hmm. um, led you, led you to your now husband, led you to probably these, these things that you've learned about yourself. Do you feel like that outweighs the, I mean, I can't even say temporary pain because I know that 
no, I totally the way get what you're are. asking. Yeah. And I, I, I agree with you because I do feel a sense of guilt whenever I say I completely regret it because mm. I wouldn't have met my best friend, Jeff. I wouldn't have met my future husband. I, I wouldn't be the, I wouldn't have the thick skin that I have today. I wouldn't be the person I am. I wouldn't have all of these tools that I use to get through, you know, smaller obstacles in life. Like anything that happens to me now is put into perspective. Like, okay, it's not that bad. Uh, I can get, if I can get through that, I can get through this. This isn't a big deal. I also know now that therapy is a human's best friend. Yeah. I am never going to stop talking about how great therapy is. Even if you don't feel like you need therapy, it is the most cathartic thing in the world. Like even, even now where I feel like I'm doing great, I still love, I love getting to know myself and getting to know where I want to be. So it's, it's, I do feel guilty saying I regret it because, because of all of the great things that have come into my life just through that. Um, I also, but I also like, I, I get it to a certain degree because I know that based off of other interviews, you think, do you feel like part of what you're preaching now is for kind of young girls that are on the cusp of this to just not do it? Exactly. Because it feels like you're very much an outlier here. Yes. Right. And so what would you, if you're kind of the outlier, what do you think the the normal situation is? Well, the girls in the industry hate me. They think that I'm ungrateful for the... Well, probably not all, but... No, no, not... Yeah. You're right. You're right. Not all. But most of them... Uh, think that I'm ungrateful for the fame that I have when mm. I didn't ask, I didn't want this. I didn't ask for it. What I'm doing now is trying to make the best out of a scenario of, out of a situation that I don't have control over. So what you're seeing now is a product of that, not, you know, a product of my success from, you know, being in the industry for such a short time. That's not what I wanted. What I want is for girls to not feel like they don't have options. If you and, and I'm not talking about the girls who are genuinely into it and are doing it for the money. I'm talking about the girls who who feel who feel like the shady producer who's sweet talking them is the greatest guy in the world and he's going to take care of them for the rest of their life. Like I I want girls like that to know that you do not have to do this. There are so many different outlets and options and people to talk to. Don't ruin your life. <laughs> Do you feel like that's what it what it does? Yeah. Because even even with your level of success, I, I imagine. Oh, no, my life is still ruined. Like I, I every there there's not a day that goes by where I don't think about what my future child is going to be put through because eventually like some parent is going to talk and they're going to overhear and then my future kid is going to get made fun of in school. And I. I'm not looking forward to the day where I have to sit them down and tell them what their mother did at 21 years old that, you know, is out there forever. But I feel like that, especially given where you are now, where I imagine you're, you're also going to go, I feel like that could be, I'm probably going to overuse the word, empowering. I feel like, because when, so when we started talking about possibly doing this podcast, which I think was, was actually, yeah, so it was before the other. Yeah, I still wasn't too comfortable talking about no, this. And because and part of my thing was, hey, I think that this could be really awesome and inspiring for young girls um, for you to share this story. But I want you to 100% know that I'm doing it because I because I had seen <laughs> I had seen what had happened with the interview with uh, in Tampa where or, oh my was it God. Tampa or Florida. No, it was some I don't know. One of those. <laughs> and then you were like, fuck all of Florida. And I was like, <gasps> hey, hey, <laughs> wait, where in Florida did you live? Uh, Tampa Bay. Oh, God. It was like me and just a bunch of old people. Oh. Hey man, we got, we got the Rays, <laughs> solid times. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was, uh, <laughs> that, that was the point where my manager was like, 
you look like a crazy bitch. You need to say something. And I'm like, no, I don't want to talk about any of this. Like, I, I think I think I was more protective of my fe- I didn't want to be vulnerable because I felt like being vulnerable would open my open myself up to be a bigger target for people who already give me shit. Well, it's not like that's completely misplaced. Like you you put out this in generally well-received podcast where you talked about your past. But of course, I mean, I, I saw some of the responses from people in the industry that felt like you were misrepresenting or, you know, had had issues with it. But of course, there's still the people there that were using it to discount you, yeah. to, to minimize anything that you did. And so I think for me, that was one of the most interesting things, because no matter your level of success, right, because if you look at like your Instagram numbers, you look at anything that as far as like notoriety and ability to not necessarily move product, but right to to <laughs> just sell, sell, sell. No, but uh, to like the, the engagement on your post. Right. So it's not like this fake thing that we see on some large people. And then yet it's still it five years after uh, affecting you. I felt like that was this interesting story. And so I was really even though it wasn't on ours and we didn't get that viral post, no. I was still so glad to see it. It was great. Thank you. So part of part of me kind of knowing a bit of your story is I've, I've talked about you in the news a little and there are kind of two things that I wanted to talk about. Okay. Uh, one, why were you, <laughs> why, why did you share so many athletes sliding into your DMs? That because was always they a thing. are entitled little pricks who need to be put in their place. So that's your reason. Yes, it's exactly. Because I feel like uh, one of the big criticisms was like, I'm were, doing it for attention. You were doing it to be like, look who's trying to come. Oh, me. no, I was doing it like, look at this motherfucker who thinks that he can get any girl he wants sure. just by saying, I'm in Miami, come to my hotel room because I'm a football player. Like, go fuck yourself. You can't talk to women like that. Yeah, well, I think the problem is probably they, uh, like, outside of you and several others, I'm sure people take the take the opportunity. No, of course. Right. But also, like, they need to be put in their place. And most of these men who are doing it have girlfriends. Uh, yeah. Well, see, that seems like a, a reason to <laughs> to potentially do something. But, okay. Who's... I'm trying to remember who who is kind of the. the he stopped me from my. I'm pointing at my manager. He stopped me from doing it too. Oh, He's like you can't you can't do that anymore. I'm like, but this one's so good. Well, especially what so was that was that kind of around just in general or around the time that you were like, yes, no, this I'm is gonna, recently. I'm gonna be. Oh, when was who was the last person that you did this on? Can we cut this out? Oh, okay. I mean, yes, we'll figure it out in post. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. I, uh, I rejected this shit out of him. And he goes, oh, damn it. Be like that. And I was like, it's a cold, cold world. It seems like maybe you you dodged a bullet. On right? One big even, even, even just one not even. Oh, wow. Yep. <laughs> like her profile photo was with her fiance, but I'm going to still shoot my shot. Well, I'm sure guys like that, like that's, they don't even see that as like a No, they bump. feed off of it, I think. I, I think bet. they feed off of the. Um, yeah. I mean, if you're an athlete, you're like, I'm the best at this. Yes. I can take what I, yeah, I bet. The egos are unmatched and sometimes men need a fucking ego check and that's why I do it. <laughs> and you're like, I'm going to do it in front of 10 million people <laughs> and possibly even greater since this is going to get press coverage. It's going to be on Barstool. It's you know, I, I never once thought that it was interesting enough for press coverage. That That was never my intention. My intention was just to make them look stupid because they mm. are. Like, how can, how could, how can you walk around with this sense of entitlement, you fat fuck. Because people give it to them. Exactly. But like, sh- you're an offensive lineman. I th- Go sit in your seat. <laughs> I feel like I can get your frustration. But if everyone in the world is like, yes, you can walk this path. 
right? No one's stopped you or they've gone, "Eh, I'm just going to let you walk by me. Like, I feel like, sure, we can criticize that person, but we should probably also talk about what, what are we, what are we saying as a society that someone's like, you're famous. I don't know fucking anything about you. Take me. Yeah. Like, and the, the way that they do it too, is literally just like, sup. Oh, I see your location is in Miami. I'm at the Font Blue. Come through. Like, what? What woman in their right mind just comes through? Probably plenty. <laughs> I feel. Do like. you not fear for your lives? Like hmm. I went. I went to go meet my future fiance. Sure. Like the man that I knew, I had very strong feelings for. That took me six months to build up to like go and actually meet him because we met online. I flew to Copenhagen and I turned my location services on for every single friend that I have, uh, yeah. updated them on where I was, just all of that stuff, because I was terrified I was going to get murdered and thrown into a fucking river. I've just always kind of assumed that like these athletes and larger people treat Instagram like a menu. That's always kind of just been. That's a good way to. Uh, that's completely true. Yeah. And also rejection builds character. They need to experience it <laughs> once in a while. You got to humble them. Yeah, that's great. But I did when when you would sometimes reject, maybe not publicly, because I imagine you didn't do this with every single person. Did they kind of just keep going along? And then one guy did. One guy still tried after I I blasted him. And I was oh, like, really? After the fact? What are you doing? It was the guy who played for fuck. Who did he play for? They played against Florida State and we beat them. And I was like. Yo, instead of being in my DMs, shouldn't you have been in your playbook? Right. Maybe then the game outcome would have been different. I remember this viral post. Yeah, because I blasted him the first time and he still came back. Regardless, <laughs> I don't even know what that life is. I love, I love, like, half of the reason that I love having people on, I'm like, what the fuck is even, like, what is that? Like, I, for one of the people that you mentioned off camera, like, their social media person mentioned them for a potential collab, but then seeing that person and then being like, and then they're saying the things that you said off camera. I'm like, wow, that's so wild. That's so wild. Um, So something that (laughs) to completely shift gears back, (laughs) something you've talked about regarding kind of the regret of the, the regret of the past having done that is that it has affected now, even with your, your popularity opportunities you have now. Yeah. Um, (laughs) What, what companies can we shame that will not work with Mia Khalifa? Hello fresh. Casper Ooh. mattresses. Oh shit! All our sponsors. Okay, oh, keep shit, going. No, really? no, no, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> Who else, Jeff? <laughs> Come on, help me out. The shorter list would be who we at. Manscape. Yeah, this Another fucking one? men's pubic grooming company was like, mm, "You're too controversial." I'm like, "You're selling pubic razors. I own your demographic. <laughs> I have them in my hand. Give me your money." And but they they say that you're too controversial. Yeah. Wow. I they don't they don't like my Google ability. Google ability. That's okay. not the right word, is it? We're gonna roll with it. it. Now. Wait. So okay. So okay. Actually, then a question regarding sponsorships because this kind of popped in my head because I think we covered this about a year ago. Do you still do sponsorships? And it feels kind of like a more recent story too. Do you still do sponsorships around uh, jewel cartridges? No. No. Okay. Uh, well, not jewel. No, 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 not Jewel, but there was like a brand that was compatible. I'm not going to name them because they are not still paying me, but this other company bought AdSpace on my Snapchat. That's also a vape company. So are you still, so you, what are your thoughts around promoting stuff like that? So for me personally, yeah. I am addicted to my Jewel. Oh, okay. I used to smoke a pack of say, cigarettes are, a day. Okay. Are you saying this in a positive or a negative no, way? No, it's a terrible thing. Okay. I've, I've tried so hard to quit. Okay. Um, 
I think the longest I went without any form of nicotine was like three months. Mm -hmm. But it's just been like a lifelong struggle for me. Okay. It's my only. I don't. I don't drink alcohol. I don't. Sm I don't smoke weed often. Uh, maybe like once or, or twice a week. But okay. my biggest vice is nicotine, and it's been a, a huge struggle for me. So, like, if you sitting with me right now, mm -hmm. are you thinking about it? It's in my purse right now, and I can like see it through X-ray vision. <laughs> <laughs> You're like there. You just see this like just pulse <laughs> on your head. No, like my gums start to itch. So what do you think about then kind of the the concerns and criticisms around kind of that it's advertising to younger people? I do not think that young kids should be doing it. I I I know my age range. I know my demographic and it's 19 to 33. So yeah, I don't feel too guilty. Yeah. My I, I think that my 13 to 17 range is so minimal. It's like one or two percent. So I don't feel that guilty doing it. My okay. like you have a much more family friendly. Uh, no. No. Am I wrong? No. Uh, we probably have like the same demo. Probably. 18 to 35 year old men. Men. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. They're going to be like, yes, the two people we watch. It's going to be great. But the things that I do feel guilty about pushing is which I which I do not do is uh, like the flat tummy tees and the things like that. Or because I, yeah. because I know that I do have a growing female following sure. and uh, from messages that I've received and from women who have come up to me who tell me that they look up to me and that they really appreciate the fact that I don't wear makeup most of the time and that I'm not afraid to show my flaws like that. That sticks with me. And mm -hmm. that makes me think I don't want to be promoting these things that are detrimental to their mental health, because the reason I went into porn is because I had such low self-esteem mm -hmm. and I don't want these women to be on Instagram and just see another girl with millions of followers who's always primmed and perfect and, you know, with a flat stomach. So I go out of my way to show people this is what I looked like before my meal. And yeah. this is what I look like after. Like, that's life. That's normal. You got to love yourself no matter what you look like. And you don't need to be drinking laxatives to do that. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I'm glad. Hmm. Yeah. So so you're going to continue. I, one, I think regarding the the flat tummy, I think that makes sense. Like one, a thousand percent. But for Jewel, is it still you just think that it's OK because it's still a better alternative for adults? I think it's up to you. Um, I have read that most of the uh, hospitalizations that have happened have been not so much around oh, nicotine vapes. Well, yeah. I mean, you're talking about that. I think that's a really interesting situation. And I think that it's the reaction has been very weird that. You can talk about a few hundred people having an adverse reaction. Yeah, and, and then, most of them have then, been over 60 or under 17, and they haven't been smoking uh, the nicotine vapes. They've been smoking this off-brand, non-FDA-approved uh, weed one. Sure, yeah. I mean, the, a lot of people have talked about, like, kind of the black market, the third-party yeah. stuff. But I just mean, like, that that addiction in general. Like, I, I've i tried a lot of stuff. Oddly, cigarettes are not one, because I uh, grew up with two parents that smoked, and just you hear that coughing, and it just is in yeah. your head forever. Did you... Did your parents smoke no growing up? No one in my family no. smokes. It, I picked it up in military school. Really? Yeah. Okay. I started with chewing tobacco because that's what everyone did. Oh, wow. And yeah, I know it's disgusting. The worst for oh <laughs> the God. worst thing, the way you could integrate. Oh, it was so gross. Loose tobacco too. It was like loose dip. Oh my God. I was disgusting. Wow. Um, but I started with that and that's how my nicotine addiction developed. Right. Oh, is this a desk? Can you see through it? Cause I'm doing weird things with my toes. No, okay. no, no, no. There's like a whole... <laughs> Sorry. I love I love that way. 50 minutes in, you're like, wait a second. Just oh, like, wait shit. A second. What are you doing with your toes? I'm just like doing this with them because I'm nervous. And it like you're nervous. Instead of doing this, I'm doing this. with them. How do you get nervous at this point? Oh, I'm always nervous. I hate talking about myself. I have more fun on podcasts that have nothing to do with me. 
This terrifies me. You know, I get that. No, I get that. I uh, when if I ever go on a podcast and it's like, oh, it's gonna be about me. Yeah. I I feel like after ten plus years of this, I I treat it like I'm being interviewed, like or someone's trying to get me for a crime, and I'm like, yes. You also, I, I will yes, give you Joe. this though. You are asking some really great questions because every other podcast that I've done that's been you know, in regards to my past and my mm. present and future has been just a regurgitation of the same questions. All of the interviews have been the same, but this, this one's been very, it, it's, it's flowed great. I will you take have great your compliment. Also, yeah, I think it's rude that you said the Hey Bitch podcast is the worst podcast in the world. Nikki Limo is a personal friend. Uh, I can't believe you said that. No, <laughs> you're gonna get me in so much trouble. They're coming no. over for dinner next week. No, they seem amazing. They are. I, 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 I sent her a t uh, Nikki a text this morning. I was like, "This is because I, I wanted to listen to make sure that I wasn't just kind of regurgitating or we could expand on." And I was like, "This is really good. Like, what's another one that I, I can listen to? Because they really flow together. Yes, and they made it so much fun. Yeah." Way just, more fun than Philip DeFranco. Way more fun. Accurate. Uh, I also I, I also have the same fear regarding uh, entering any group of, uh, for me, it's men. Men who have no idea, though, specifically of what I do. Yeah. Like people with regular jobs. Oh, oh my God. I'm immediately a 16-year-old boy again. I'm like, so I do stuff on the yeah. internet. And they're like, really? I do finance it. And then I'm like, oh, God. I hate it when real humans ask me what I do for a living. Because I either say <laughs> I'm a social media influencer and then I look like some dumb bitch sure. who lives in L.A. to do this. Or like I'd say, well, you know, no, we, I work in sports. <laughs> I work in sports? Is that what, what the fuck voice was that? <laughs> That's yeah. my I'm around a group of humans voice and I am very intimidated by all of you. Ooh, what's the, okay, what's the number one question you get from people that are unfamiliar with you? When you, when, like, if it's like a, what do you do? Like, what, what's the next question? Uh, Oh, so cool. Are you on ESPN? And then I have to say no, because they're owned by Disney and Disney would never hire me. Okay. Because, yeah, it was going to be for me. It was like, so how do you make money on that? Yeah. Like, yeah. You. Like, you don't know how famous I am, bro. No, it's just like, like I'm like, it's been a thing for yeah. 10 plus years. Like, you shouldn't just be finding out about it. You're 35. <laughs> like, what do you do? But that's also, there's this. I have uh, I have extended family back home that are like kind of the, the private Facebook or private Instagram or barely uh, access the Internet. I'm like, what is your life? Yeah, that's like that feels like at this point, it's like almost Amish. Yeah, it's exactly. Like I, like I but I'm also I, I went through this whole period where I just th essentially threw away my phone, felt so at peace. Then I realized it's horrible for business. Yeah. And now I'm back. Like, I think yesterday, like my activities at seven hours. I'm like, what the fuck oh. am I doing? On Mine's this? at a city five and I'm very proud of that. <laughs> you should be. That's, yeah. Cause, uh, yeah. Cause for you, do you, do you have to kind of, when, when you go on the internet, mm -hmm. what do you do? Like, is it, is it all, I'm going to put this out there or like, no, is it it's, all most, it's honestly, my, my biggest issue is the fact that I forget that 18 million people follow me. <laughs> And I will put up videos of my husband looking like shit in the morning or doing the stupidest thing. And then he looks at me and he's like, do you know how many people just saw that? Can you please take it down? And I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait. I'm so sorry. Well, because, yeah, wait, how many people like if you post something on your story, how many people see that? Around a million till oh, depending Jesus. on the day, like 1.4, 1.5. That's that's wild, especially considering the whole medium's kind of just like this is kind of throwaway content. Yeah, exactly. Right? This is just a little glimpse. And yeah. then a million people. That's like, wow, I don't even know what that is. That's wild. It's it, it's crazy. And it's uh, it, it makes me I haven't so much 
felt it like the sense of responsibility because I still post my daily me looking like shit me when I just wake up. I will say I'm surprised by that just because if I, I had kind of a similar conversation with Casey Neistat, if I say some stupid shit, it might roll. But if you do almost anything and it's a slight call out, there are blogs about it in like 45 minutes. I posted this one picture when uh, I went to the Mojave desert to look at this airplane graveyard Mm -hmm. And, uh, in the caption, I said, some bottom feeding, no name blog is probably going to take this photo and say that I stormed area 51 to free my alien. And the next day there was three articles from three different sites saying Mia Khalifa goes to area 51. What? I mean, at that point, was it th- just them doing it for the meme? No, no, they were completely serious. That's crazy. And I tagged the Mojave Desert as my location. <laughs> so a question, because I know that we talked about sponsorships. You're also now developing apps or you're working with companies that are creating apps? What, I'm what, what working, are you doing I'm working in partnership with them. Okay. Uh, I have some creative input. I have two right now. One is called Fire Dates, which is a plug-in for... Uh, Tinder, Bumble, and Hinge that swipes for you even when you're not on the app. And then the other one. I like, you know what we need to do with online dating? Make it even less effort. Yeah, exactly. What are you, what are you doing? And so you wake up from, you know, your <laughs> drunken stupor and you have all these matches. Um, and then the other one is called Uref. And this one's cool because I would actually use this one. I mean, Fire Dates is great. Download it. I want, wow. I love that. I want, I want the people that use fire dates to literally only meet other people that use fire dates so that people that are just putting in as little effort yes. as possible can be in a relationship together. That's called a soulmate. <laughs> exactly. And that's what we're doing for you. <laughs> Wait, what's the other one? The other one is called UREF and it's one that I, I actually use. Um, we gathered all of this never before, you know, discovered data about referees and, uh, first we started with the with premier league soccer and now we're expanding into nba um but it's all this data about the likelihood of a red or a yellow card uh depending on which ref is officiating the game against your team so it really helps with people who are into betting or people who uh, just want more of a reason to defend their team for losing just be like well look it was at, the ref look look, 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 look at statistics. this oh my god yeah i uh yeah, I could see that being beneficial. I, uh, I've only like even been slightly aware of this world because of uh, fantasy football, just like all the spreadsheets shit. So that's what I love about fantasy. It makes me interested in games that I otherwise wouldn't give a shit about. Yes. Because normally I really only care about my team and the team that I'm playing next week. Yeah, a thousand percent. But yeah. And so I, it gives me a reason to have red zone on. Yeah. And just be a lazy piece of shit on Sunday. Oh, I love it. And then kind of just have something on in the background on Thursdays and uh, Mondays. That's about it. Yeah. Hey, very quickly, if you made it to this part of the podcast, make sure that you're following, subscribing. Also, if you want to be one of the first people to actually listen to it, we release the audio version on defrancoelite.com, usually uh, 12 hours before, really it's just as early as possible. But with that said, just a quick little self-plug if you want to support the show in that way, because we don't have sponsors yet, but you know, whatever. That said, keep enjoying. Do we want to, do you want to come back with, speaking of spreadsheets, <laughs> but then it's like, then it's your idea, but... Yeah, they did a presentation at Instagram HQ for all of their employees, and they used my photo as the example of things that they need to shadow ban. What? Yeah. Wait, why? Wait, okay. I've only ever seen I've only ever seen people kind of randomly talk about it and 
like every now and then someone will say like a very vague like yo fuck instagram yeah what someone who doesn't follow me uh search my name on instagram and see how long you have to scroll until you actually find me even though i'm verified and you've typed in mia khalifa in full would you be offended if none of them followed no not at all (laughs) looks like i got you i'm like wait let's see he's typing you can't find her what the fuck that's yep what that's insane yeah the verified account with almost 18 million followers and all of these accounts that you know post actual porn are so So, far ahead of me so is this like is this a thing from them that they're like well we don't want the story that is we banned mia khalifa but we're not going to promote her. Like what so is what Tiffany from Hey Bitch posted a photo of a I'm wearing a sweater up to here. You know, she's wearing something extremely appropriate. We were on the set of Hey Bitch podcast. We took a photo and she said, so excited to have Mia Khalifa on this uh, this week's episode. You know, she's great. She's awesome. Link in bio to listen to her. Eight days later, Instagram took it down. And she posted a screenshot of that, like, what the fuck? I've never had a picture be taken down. Like, is it just because she's tagged in it? So this video is demonetized, by the way. Oh, this is fine. That's fine. (laughs) I was like, we don't have a sponsor. I literally just do this for fun. Oh, okay. Awesome. But wait, so what the fuck? Yeah. I don't even, I'm trying to wrap my head around that. Just because you were tagged. I was in the picture And this is like a consistent thing. It's pretty common. It's it's so common that I wasn't surprised. I just kind of rolled my eyes when I saw it because that's just how Instagram works. When you say that you were used as this example. Yeah. um, Is that like you were told by an employee there? No, no, no. no. This was someone took a picture from the presentation inside Instagram. Is this public? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I'll check out. Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? They used one of one of my Instagram photos. Did they? they... And it was this Instagram photo that I posted uh, a side by side of where I said, this is color correction. And this is without color correction, because I don't want you females out there who are looking at this to think that stretch marks and all of this and perfect skin don't exist. This is what it looks like, like when I want to print a poster and this is what it looks like normally. So I don't want you to feel like you always have to look this. Like it was an empowering post. Sure. And that's what they used is like things you need to shadow ban. What the and is there any reasoning that was also photographed or included in this as far as like why you were a thing that should be shadow banned? Was it just because you showed like part of your body? Yeah, I, I was in, uh, what was I in? I think I was just in like lingerie, but you know, there's girls on Instagram who are wearing those like thong bikinis that, you know. Th- well, it definitely feels like, yeah, everything is not administered at the the same level. And I, I think that there is. I think that Instagram that on- cracks down on me extra hard. Hmm. And we're, we can use Tiffany as the example. Like it was yeah. a very wholesome photo with a wholesome caption on a wholesome page. Like she, she, Disney is one of her sponsors. Do you feel, do you, are you cracked down on anywhere else? When you said like this video is demonetized, is it literally because you're my YouTube channel? Every whole- single one of my videos is demonetized. I did, I did one where, uh, don't you, didn't you just like post some travel vlogs? Like there's nothing. Well, or uh, on like me that? and my fiance's channel, it's mostly, uh, our travel vlogs, but, okay. um, on my personal channel, it's things like, you know, me going to the dermatologist or me getting Botox in my armpits. Cause I excessively sweat and I'm disgusting. Um, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, or, you know, wholesome things like m- me, and my manager, Jeff, working out together, looking like absolute idiots because mm. neither of us has any form whatsoever. So it, it's it's mostly wholesome content. I mean, there is things like, 
here's a try-on video. And mm-hmm. one of them's like a sexy dress, but it's for the most part normal yeah. content. It feels like it's gotten, well, especially on YouTube, uh, a lot harsher. And at times random. Yeah. But the like. Like even the teasers for my big interview that I did that was the catalyst to you wanting to do this with me. That sure. All of those are demon. My entire channel is just like red flagged. So, so aside from these apps then, what on your shadow banned demonetized life, what's, what's next for you? Lunch probably. Do you, I, I think that's something you said. You don't really think like three, five years out. No, I don't. I, I, I think because I'm really happy with where I am. I like where this is going. I like where this path is taking me. And I'm, I'm kind of just along for the ride for the most part. Uh, I, of course I have goals and of course I want to accomplish them. But my goals have more to do with myself personally and less with my career. I, I like that I don't like it's kind of taken me for a ride. I, I'm not the one so much in control. And when I stop trying to control it is when all of the best things have come. Hmm. So wait, when you say that you're on this path now, where do you think that path is taking you? Um, Cause you well, I'm, I'm under NDAs for a lot of things that haven't. Yeah, I'm writing a book. Oh, wow. What's yeah. that going to be about? My, me, my life. Oh, that's but, awesome. But a lot more in depth. And um, not that I'm not giving you, you know, the full scoop. Or it's fine. <laughs> there was that very long list of things we shouldn't talk about. It was horrible. I've never someone just <laughs> the moment I got here. No. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm writing a book and there's other projects up in the air that, uh, you know, that I can't talk about yet. How about this? Is it more in the realm of empowering girls or is it more in the realm of sports no it's it's definitely more in the realm of trying to take my mistake and help other women because it feels like that's a part of your passion like there's obviously the apps and and then you know those kind of fit into a certain place but it feels like everything i've seen from you it really feels like it it is for this kind of you're very young but like the next generation right because there's constantly a new one (laughs) i really haven't been passionate about much in my life until i started talking about this and seeing the response from women who can relate to me who have nothing to do with the porn industry Mm -hmm. like just women who are feeling this way about themselves and about the way that they let other men in their life treat them who said that my my story helped them realize that the choices they're making aren't right and that, you know, the feelings they're feeling are fine and normal. And, you know, there's things that you can do to fix that instead of, you know, just kowtowing to men who show you attention. Um, I, I never really felt like a spark until until that started happening. Like sports is fun. It's so much fun. I love it. It's my it's my hobby. Mm-hmm. But the passion is mostly just for like my D.C. teams. Sure. I love I love talking about it. I, I can talk about hockey all day long. It's it's so much fun for me, but it I, I it's definitely not the same as since I've been experiencing this. Do you when you go to hockey games now, do you get are you extra nervous after like your accident? Which how long ago was that? Was that a year? This was playoffs two years ago. You got hit by a puck? I got hit by a puck. I had to have surgery to fix my broken titty. <laughs> that's I feel like that's But I got to be- keep the puck. I love that you're like, but I got a souvenir from, from my breast trauma. It's really great. They signed it and everything. Did they sign it? No, no. Oh, it's it's is... fine. I have other signed things from Ovechkin. It's fine. It's fine. Next time, next time I, I get like a face-to-face meeting with him, though, I'm going to bring that and have him sign it. What are the fucking odds of that? That's the craziest thing it's, in the world. It, dude, especially like me of all people. Exactly. 
they're just it was the happiest day of my life i was like it feels like it might have been purposeful it was incredible <laughs> like i flew to dc just for that game i was i was flying to copenhagen two days later and yeah. i flew to dc just for that game i was there for 22 hours and then it all came together <sighs> it for was that a, one pivotal moment it was incredible it was it was seriously like one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. I mean, it hurt like a motherfucker, but it was I fantastic. I cannot imagine. Wait, so kind of uh, on the note of talking about these kind of younger girls, what's uh, a piece of advice outside of? Because one thing I really appreciated from you was and something I think it's not just young women, just everyone in general. You need to kind of know who you are by yourself and love yourself. What's something that you would say would be beneficial for uh, a younger person to consider? Talk to people. And if you can't afford therapy, there are so many outlets online that offer free counseling and people to talk to where where your privacy is hidden and everything that you talk about is protected. So talk to as many people as you can. Sometimes it can be hard to talk to people you know mm. out of fear of them judging you. So go online, utilize these resources that are available at your fingertips. I love that. Is there, when, when, I mean, when you say that, kind of the, the talking to friends, do you ever get nervous because uh, it feels like we're living more and more in a society where everyone's like it's not even a conversation anymore it's like receipts like, yeah do, do you feel like have you ever had uh, like a moment where someone's like this is what Mia said behind the scene have you just not had to deal with like that issue of, I mean like, of course like when I mean every girl experiences this when you're in a group chat and then someone but not, not to like a national scale right it's just been like uh it, it was <laughs> it was public but I owned it oh, because okay. it was in a public tweet oh um I think it was was it at Christian McCaffrey? I tweeted at him like, oh my God, you're amazing. And he was like, mm, I'm married, oh. thanks. And I was like, ah, you got to shoot your shot. You oh, win some, you lose shit. some. I didn't, I don't But it was in a public that. tweet. So I like, I wasn't sliding into his DMs or anything. I'm going to be, it's going to be so interesting to see if he can survive this season. The He's the sober Johnny Manziel. <laughs> right? Really? Yeah. I just, I don't know much about him as a, a person. I just always, anytime I kind of do a quick glance, it's like, McCaffrey, 250 yards, rest of team, 100. Yeah. You're like, what the fuck? They need him that much? Okay. Shit. <laughs> He's literally, a, like, he is everything that Johnny Manziel wishes he could be. Wait, so, so did, so being on the other end of that, because we were talking about it earlier, did it, <laughs> did it build character? For me? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. I love it when people clap back at me. Oh, really? Like, I dish it out more than anyone else so i gotta okay, then take that's it healthy that's healthy yeah because yeah, I, I know a lot of people that are just like they they hit and then like once i they said hit, rejection like, builds character maybe that's the note so one love yourself get to learn who you are as a person two talk to people and three uh get rejected get rejected and then stunt on them <laughs> that's the note we're ending yeah. on thank you so much for doing this thank you this was awesome <laughs> see nice and easy Baker Mayfield. He's the one who kept sliding in my DMs after I blasted oh. him. Oh. He... Oh. Oh, so. Oh, was it McCaffrey? Oh. Who was the guy who kept sliding in my DMs? He played for Ole Miss. Huh? <laughs> I love. No, not Contreras. I fucking love that there's this amount of confusion. He played for Ole Miss. Yeah. Chad Kelly. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 